Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. The podcast is coming to you at kind of an awkward time this week if you are a subscriber, and we thank you so much for subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. Click the subscribe button to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz, and you know, leave us a review, and that five-star review would be preferable. But uh, because of Memorial Day, hope everybody uh, had a safe and healthy holiday weekend. So we were off on Monday, our normal recording day, so we're recording this Tuesday morning, so you're hopefully getting this Tuesday afternoon if you're a subscriber, and uh, we just hope you enjoy the latest presentation of Longhorn Blitz. With that out of the way, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing great, man. How about you? Not too shabby. And the third member of our team, last but most definitely not least, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Nice as always. Crisp. Crisp as always. That's what I do. I yeah. try not to make eye contact with you while I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. it okay. <laughs> right. yes, it's been it's been easy for the last like few months people. when you're on Skype, but now I don't person, want to make yeah, eye contact. Yeah. It's only the second I want, show. I don't want Rod sitting there like, Count, okay, did he get that? Did he get that? Did he get that? <laughs> <laughs> It's appreciated, brother. So here's what I want to do this week, guys. So last week I was in Houston. Steve Sarkeesian spoke at the Touchdown Club of Houston, their annual Texas H-Town. Day. Basically, it's a day where the Touchdown Club raises some money mm-hmm. and boosters get to go to lunch and hear Sark talk about the team, and he does a little media availability before. So yeah. it's not like you know the coaching clinics and things like that where it's just hardcore, just X's and O's nah. talking ball, which, good Lord, Sark is on the speakers list for the Angelo Football Clinic this summer, which – I cannot freaking wait. Yeah, for that's gonna be that's gonna be some good stuff coming out of that. So, which, by the way, I'm waiting to see if that's gonna be in person or virtual. If that's in person, I'm got to be in person for now. Sure, it's in Texas. For sure. It'll be in person now. Everything now in the state of Texas <laughs> is in person. We're not but, doing virtual anymore. Well, it's in the month of June, so Sark's pretty busy on the recruiting trail. So now nah, he'll do that because he'll do it for the coaches. I hope so. He'll do it for the coach. He wants to because he hadn't had that face to face with the coaches yet. He's got to get that face to face with the coaches. We'll go over the speakers list, Rod. We we might need to get the station up there if it's. Oh uh, uh, man, you know I'm a football junkie. I love that. That's football porn to me. I think uh, I think Bill O'Brien is on the speakers list. Talking that'll about be interesting. To, yeah, because Bill O now OC at Alabama. Watch in two years, everybody's talking mm-hmm. about how innovative and great Bill O'Brien is. All of a sudden, it's like Bill O'Brien is now all of a sudden innovative. Yeah, that's what going on the. Alabama coaching staff will do for you. <laughs> yep. 
just not being dumb. Revi- <laughs> it revived Sark's career for exactly. sure. And so, Lane Kiffin, uh, oh, the yeah. list goes on, sir. That's kind of where I want to start this week, guys. Hell is Major started there. Exactly. You know, get in the pulse of the room, which, by the way, that was, you know, we're getting into more normalcy, you know, kind of coming out of the pandemic. Things are slowly getting back to normal. Okay. That was two of the most normal hours I've had. Since the I heard you say that on I heard you say that when you uh, and it wasn't that you know look CDC recommendations are what they are mask no mask didn't matter nobody was worried about like social distancing or anything like that it's just hey the head coach of Texas speaking let's talk some football and shaking hands wasn't thinking about hand sanitizer Mm -hmm. or anything like that for two hours so and I'm fully vaccinated anyway so to me it's whatever but I was like man this is just it was nice to not think about that and and. Two other big things. One, Sark was not asked about the eyes of Texas. Amazing. I don't know how that didn't happen. I don't know how that. That's how you know you guys were just stuck in football. The fan Q&A, nobody asked about it. That's strange. You know what else nobody asked him about? Nobody asked him about playing Texas A&M. At an event in Houston, nobody asked him about playing Texas A&M. He's in the tells me phase. the pulse of that fan base, Great point. either they don't care anymore or they realize it's going to but not anytime soon, so there's no point wasting breath. Well, it's that honeymoon phase, and like, mm. not to compare it to previous regimes or coaches, but there's like this one's one that's well wanted by the fans and players. Like the fans just want football and want Texas to be good. And maybe in previous times they would have asked about such things, but right now where we're at, that's just where the fans are. They did. I, I agree with you. I, they did ask about the eyes of Texas though when he first got here. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting, that, and that's still been an ongoing story. Like there have been developments in the eyes of Texas recently and all that mm-hmm. stuff but you're right people I think I think Matt's right people just want to focus on football people are trying to get back to especially I, I'm saying it's more of a macro thing after yeah. COVID they want to get back to things they enjoy that's why you know the concerts are about to be mm-hmm. big and booming and restaurants people going out to eat all that kind of stuff people the bars now mm-hmm. about to recover people want to get out there is a, and some people need to learn how to behave right, conduct right. but uh so longhorn fans beware of that but yeah i think people match yeah, right people want to get back out there we yeah. talk about the sim situation and possibly come back and then we see all the fan situations oh, no, fans. sorry i mean to cut you off rod but no, uh, i was just looking at the angelo clinic speakers list we, we might want to go out there because uh the second day of the clinic for an hour and a half really probably close to two hours uh wade phillips talking about defending the spread offense Ooh, oh, that's interesting yeah that's good stuff. Yeah, I so, would like that. Wade in West Texas. That's yeah. and this fitting. is this is kind of his. This clinic is kind of his baby too. He's one of the is he one, one of the founders? Founders? Yeah. founding? Yeah, so, founding members. One of the best Twitter handles ever created. Son of a bum. Son of bum. Yeah. Son of bum. Uh, yeah, Great Hardy McCrary is also Rod, one of your former coaches at Texas. Coach McCrary is also pretty heavily involved with the Angelo Clinic. But enough about the Angelo Clinic. So going back to Houston, Still Matt. What what I what I think about the A and M thing though. Man, maybe this is just my, I don't want to say naivety, but just my my hope, and maybe this was confirmation bias for me. I hope it's Texas fans taking a look at the A&M thing and saying, look, you can worry about the Aggies all you want, but until you figure out that Oklahoma problem, none of this other stuff matters. So maybe attention is finally being diverted. And, Rod, you know, I've been saying it for years, like, hey, while you guys are slap fighting with the Aggies over, you know, who's the, the 20th best team in the country, mm-hmm. Oklahoma's stacking championships. In Norman, they're just putting Big Twelve titles in the trophy case, and Lincoln Riley's counting Heisman winners and number one draft picks and first round picks, yeah, uh, and getting the college football playoffs. So, yeah, you might want you might want to focus your attention on the only rival on your schedule that you actually do play 
every year. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me wishful thinking on my part, but I don't know, Rod. Maybe 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 attention starting to be diverted a little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are just certain people who are fascinated with the Texas Texas A and M rivalry on both sides. Um, whether they don't care about rekindling it or whether they do, I think Craig Way put it best. It's you ever seen Friends? I think they're having a Friends reunion recently. Um, they're on the break. Texas and Texas A and M will play again at one point. You yeah. may not be allowed to see it. <laughs> but they will play. So right. They're never ever gonna play again. Like I think we all agreed that would be absurd. But the break is needed for both sides. Yeah. So and both sides got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, they got bigger things to focus on. Yeah. Oklahoma and Bama. <laughs> yeah, that's your nearest threat. Your own backyard. Those, yeah. those, your own backyard. Those crimson monsters. Uh, one in the Big Twelve. One in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, but so I want to start the start talk with this though. You know. I think every time Texas, and we've unfortunately, I say this a lot, so take a shot if you're playing the drinking game, we've unfortunately had a lot of experience, Rod, with coaching turnover and regime changes and reboots mid-regime. And I think we always kind of get caught up in the message, and especially going from one head coach to another, you kind of want to hear the opposite of what the previous head coach was all about. You know, like with, it happens in politics too, though. Yeah, it does. Yes, look, look at that president, our, our presidential right. picks from mm-hmm. year yeah. or from term to term. Very, say. yeah, very, very astute observation on your part. And so, you know, Sark, Sark's got a different delivery than Tom Herman, a different approach than Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's more buttoned down. It's not as much fire and brimstone. It's quite frankly not as much me, me, me. It's, it's a very He's tr- Sark is doing, I think, what Charlie Strong tried to do. You're not necessarily Charlie. Charlie just kind of stumbled over his words and just lowered the bar right off the bat. Like we're not winning a national championship this year, which is some Texas fans don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But I think the way Sark is couched, it's like he's continued to have the same message, Rod. Where look, there's talent here. We understand there's talent. Or the cupboard's not bare. But we got to recruit really well. We've got to be a great developmental staff, and there's a lot of work to be done. And he hasn't thrown anybody. He hasn't thrown Tom Herman under the bus yet. No. I haven't heard him do that, which is refreshing considering if you go back and listen to some of the stuff <laughs> from Tom's first spring, it was like the defensive linemen were too fat and, you know, the facilities are garbage and this, that, yeah. and the other. And it's like, well, gosh, has this pro, has, you think has this football program done anything right in the last 25 years? <laughs> Evidently not, but. I digress. There was a lot going wrong, though, then. There was. The, the, the yeah. program's in a lot better place right. than Tom Herman inherited. So let's and be, a lot that, of to that, be fair to Tom Herman. And a, yeah. and a lot of that was him yeah. forcing the issue. Exactly, like we with the facilities, facilities and with the support staff and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. to be fair, yeah. it wasn't a bad to place. We fair, had just lost to Kansas. Just right. a very, very different. <laughs> Why you got to go there, Rod? I'm just saying, like we were in a Why bad place. That up? <laughs> but I, I just want to ask you guys this. Can we get too caught up on just the new message that, we just like I started thinking about this after the fact. Like I like Sark's message, and you talk to boosters, and I talked to some boosters after the function just to kind of get the pulse of the room. And I talked to a couple that didn't like, just flat out didn't like Tom Herman, and some that were just kind of, eh, it's, it's it is what it is kind of thing. But they all felt like Sark is killing it. That's the message they want to hear. He presents himself well. They feel optimistic. Mm-hmm. And going back to a phrase I used earlier. And is that just wishful thinking, or can you really take something of substance? Because the way I feel about it right now, a few days removed from being in Houston, no matter what the message is, like the proof is going to be in the pudding. 
if Sark ends up winning games and gets this thing on the right trajectory, then the message will be great. If they don't win games and we're sitting here doing the same thing with another coach in the next four or five years, then we'll look back on the message and say it was flawed. Like because it depends on the expectations and what the expectations are. Okay. Right? When Tom Herman came in, expectations were relatively low. Like I said, we had just lost to Kansas. <laughs> so we were like, man, you had to come in here. And, and people were still upset with Tom Herman in that first year because they thought there were some games where he just got out coached. Texas Tech. Maryland. Maryland. <laughs> right, there you go. So games like, well, another those one are that, inexcusable well, you, losses. You realize we brought, up, we brought up the 2016 loss to Kansas and the 2017 loss to Maryland like the first 10 minutes of this show. Yeah. When but the, we, to begin and fan, end the year, which exactly. is very impactful. Longhorn fans viewed those uh, as, as losses that were inexcusable. Right. All right, and it already put his regime out on a bad a note. I started on a bad note with Longhorn fans. So it's all about expectations. What are the expectations for Sark? Because if Longhorn fans have really high expectations mm-hmm. and then he doesn't meet those, then he's going to start basically where Tom Herman started. He loses to Louisiana or Arkansas early on. He's going to start just where Tom Herman started, and that is starting kind of at a deficit where Longhorn, the honeymoon period, as Matt mentioned, is over really quick. Yeah. yeah. Very quickly. Because it will just come down to it that. Will come and down. no matter well, how yeah. he says it or presents it now, yeah. that's all going to depend on every fan's, like, arbitrary personal yeah. preference. You know, like, yeah. that's just one. Some people like it, some people don't. Now, yeah. most people seem to like it right now, but that won't even matter. Once we get to the results, yeah, in and the it's, game. it's all about how you how you how you lose and how you perform in those games. Mm-hmm. If that offense ain't clicking, and he's supposed to be the offensive guru, the, and he's calling the plays, yeah, and there is no, you know, with Tom Herman, it was all of this this vague innuendo and weird, you know, references as to who's calling the plays. Like what? No, we call the play. What the hell are you talking about? We call the plays. What, we what are you, you saying? Oh, it's a it's a group effort. It's like what what are we talking about here? Collaborative effort. Collaborative effort. Like Tom Herman is you know, whatever. <laughs> Sark saying, no, I'm calling the plays. It's my offense. That offense don't look good early on. There's no excuses. There's mm-hmm. no there's nobody to to cushion you. There is no buffer between you and you and the accountability. He's it's all you. in on that. It's <laughs> you, exactly. So it, it all depends on how it looks. If, if Texas is losing games, say they mm-hmm. lose a game, but it's a high-scoring game, mm-hmm. Sark is not going to be the person that, you know, I think I'm going to start talking about Kwiatkowski. Mm-hmm. It, like, just like, you know, defensive coordinators. Like, when our first-year defensive coordinators usually do really well. So hopefully, Pete Kwiatkowski, and I think Pete Kwiatkowski is going to be great. I think he's an awesome defensive yep. coordinator and a great problem solver as a as a coach. But if that the Big 12 offenses start, start shredding that Pete Kwiatkowski defense, then Longhorn fans gonna start looking up sideways. Longhorn fans, all they care about is winning. Yeah. All this honeymoon stuff. I, that's why I'm not even listening to. It. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to the X's and O's. I'm not listening to all this fodder and whatever he's saying because I yeah. know right now we're just in the dating dating period. Like uh, Chris Rock said, yeah. I, we haven't even met Sark yet. We've met his representative. Yeah. We don't know who the hell Sark is yet as a football coach. We right. don't. Man, ain't been a football coach in like what five six years. We don't know who the hell he is at this point. But we're hoping he's a better coach than he was initially. Yeah. We're hoping now his experience have made him a better head coach. If it ain't, we're going to have problems. Just yeah. like Mike McCarthy went down there and lied to Jerry Jones, and they were, uh, I heard bells. Well, y'all was drinking on Johnny Walker, and then you thought he was the guy. Turns out he might not be the guy. And mm-hmm. then that's what happens. So did you get? Did that happen? Or is he a real football coach now? We don't know. Man, you're working with Nick Saban. I can go coach for Nick Saban and get a job at a Power 5 school as a defense coordinator. Y'all know that. Yeah. Y'all know that. It's the truth. If I go if I go on that staff right now and five years later end up being these people are like, man, he rose fast. He was a Charlie Strong's doing it right now. Yeah. Don't, don't get it twisted. Alabama and Nick Saban, what he does there, the structure that he has provided there, 
it, it almost it almost facilitates success with almost any damn coach. We've seen that. We've seen it over and over and over and over again. How many Bill Belichick assistants have failed in the NFL as head coaches? Come on now. So how I'm not saying many, he ain't many, the guy, but I'm Meyer saying is he closer failed? to being Kirby Smart or is he closer to being Lane Kiffin? We don't know. We have no idea. Right. But if it if if if, if long long fans know football too, if they start to see cracks in that armor mm-hmm. and it's football genius and his football intellect and they start to say, man, he can't even make basic football decisions like we saw with Tom Herman? Like he can't even play the best players? Okay, you know what? We're going to have a problem real quick. So let's just wait and see. He seems like right now all the all the things for Tom Herman that seem like basic, no, you know I mean? just It seemed like it should have been basic football decisions that were easy to make. Play the best players. Play Bajon Robinson. Don't rotate your guys when you don't need to. I yeah. mean, you want them playing in certain situations. Those types of football decisions should have been easy because we as football laymans can make them. As a coach, you definitely should be able to make those decisions. Yeah. Um, if, if he's not making those types of decisions and we can see that, then that's going to be a problem because that's what Longhorn fans just came from. Speaking of going to the opposite yeah. of the type of leadership that – the past regime provide. Yeah, I, I, you can, you know, if you don't learn from the past, you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And, and I think that would be, I would hope Sark would talk to somebody and kind of look at where Tom Herman, you know, the, kind of the, some of the missteps he had. And a lot of it is, you know, I, I'm kind of with you, Rod. he already has, too. He's made a point almost yeah, to double right. down in those areas. And, I agree. And this is kind of where I came, I, I, as I was driving home from the Houston thing and in the days afterwards, I'm kind of with you, Rod. That, you said what I was trying to say, like, I don't want to call it just rhetoric or just empty words, but all the stuff that doesn't have to do with like X's and O's and football talk and player development, it's kind of just like it's neither here nor there for me. It's just, yeah. it's neither fish nor fowl. Well, it's and like while I'm, we're talking about the coaches, I, though, in that exact area was one area that you could tell Tom Herman did not enjoy doing such things that you speak of, and which also can make him may not necessarily be liked as much by the people listening to it. And even if it doesn't matter, and it is rhetoric right now, you go and look at the way that Sark's dealing and playing the room in those situations. He's Agreed. doing the stuff that even if it doesn't matter, it can matter to your fans which then makes it matter overall once you put those two and two together now it could be minor but he's at least starting out in that way and totally trying agree. not to rub everybody the wrong totally way agree. so along those lines you could say yeah you aren't being dumb about that that's good but that's very simple now on to the football and like even when you brought up the football aspect of it the idea that how it's aligning that well you know Herman didn't necessarily have some big time playmakers whenever he came in the offensive guy but Sarkeesian does have that then also you got your first time uh coordinator coming in on defense that's always been successful from you know Orlando back to Manny back to Will Muschamp so everything aligns sort of is this year could be something that could set up well now we also know that one quick year of success can easily quickly set you up for failure because we've seen that also something Mm -hmm. like Herman so like even if it is successful this year that may not mean anything because yeah. if it isn't successful that second year when you get that wave coming back against you, it, it totally will overrule any successes you have. So that's where like Sarkeesian, at least him talking about how he's dug out and had personal stuff and been able to persevere, those type of things that he talks about a lot and is transparent about when he speaks, at least now 
the representative, like you said, Rod, of Sarkeesian is transparent about those things right now. We'll see over time how that plays out, you know, through many years here. But there's a lot of questions that you still have to tie together, and we're in such an infancy period, it's almost impossible to get to that point until you've been successful for at least, like, 24 months. Here's the difference. Yeah. Like, and I, I, we'll move on and talk, like, actual football stuff after this. But to, to me, this is the difference, and this is where – I don't know if Sark has learned this, if he's talked to people, or if this is just nat- his natural demeanor. What he's done a really good job of, and, and, and go back to some of the things he said in Houston, whether he's talking about name, image, and likeness, high school seniors opting out, mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. unlike some of the things Charlie said intentionally or not, and some of the things Tom Herman said intentionally or not, Sark has yet to back himself into a corner. Now, big on player on empowerment, anything. too. He's aligning with the well, players, yeah, which but is just, big. Just, yeah, he hasn't backed himself into the corner. He hasn't made any just wholesale statements that this is where I stand firm on this. It's, mm. you know, hey, we got to wrap our heads around this. We got to look at this. I, I need more time to study this, whatever. And, you know, I, I like I go back to things where Tom would back himself into a corner or where he just got off on the wrong foot with the fan base. And it's not necessarily the, the offseason stuff we're talking about. It's in-season stuff like Rod. One of the biggest missteps he made was after a couple questionable fourth down decisions or calls and that loss to Maryland his first game. Mm-hmm. What did he bring up? He talked about the binder. We, we're smart. Like I think he underestimated the football smart to this fan base. Like We're smart enough to know you use analytics when making a decision whether to go for it on fourth down. But don't tell this fan base you consulted with a binder. <laughs> but why would does that matter, well, honestly? Yeah, I was going like, to say, I don't know. I, that's I mean, one of those things that it was just a loss and it was a reason play, to attack the Tom Herman. Too, yeah, they were just upset. The room, but. They were just upset about the loss. You're right, he probably shouldn't have brought it up. You got to read the room and you got to know, like, okay, maybe don't mention the binder. Just yeah, people don't want to hear about that right now. Yeah, no. Not, not after a loss. No. If you'd have won the game and it'd have been a close game, like, okay, then we can bring up the binder. Like, honestly, I, 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 I was, uh, actually consulted the binder and that's what actually gave me the key. Analytic man. to decide to go for it or board down, whatever you want to say. Your mints to talk, that'd have been great, but he lost a game, so it's it, and that was a common thing for him, right? Excuses. He yeah. was an excuse guy. He liked to like bring up random excuses for bad plays or bad play calling instead of just accepting responsibility that, oh, you know what? We did not have the guys ready to play. It's it was at us. And it, honestly, it's probably something you should have learned from Matt because Matt was really good. I was about, to, I was about to say Matt that. Matt was the first guy to be like, no, no, no. It was on me. I'm the million me. dollar man. You come down me. on me. It was me and the coaches. This is where you're that. getting into the realm of backing yourself into a corner. Yeah. Like the other thing that jumps out from early in Tom's tenure, and this is this kind of goes back to what we talked about last week, and we, we talked about the last few weeks, like. Through the first three to five games, we'll be able to have a pretty good idea of who Steve Sarkeesian is and how this thing is going to go. No doubt. It's not going to take us in like halfway through year two to figure this no. out. History tells us we'll know mm-hmm. pretty early. Yeah. But like, go back to that loss to USC, Herman's first year. Yeah. When the simple question was asked, why'd you stop giving Chris Warren the football? Because, like, well, he was only averaging three and a half yards a carry. Well, look at the rest of your run game. Three and a half isn't too bad. Yeah. If you give it to him three times and you're averaging three and a half per carry, I wasn't a math major in college, but I can add, and it works. that's a first down. Keep doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. 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 No, that. but then that was a theme, right? Wouldn't play the best players, wouldn't keep giving his best players the football. What are you talking about early on, Colin Johnson? Are you talking about later on, Bijan Robinson? That it was all, always it all a ties random together thing. In the end. Yeah. So, like you said, well, no, early on. Yeah. Because he, you can't help but show yourself as a, as a head coach and a play caller. Uh, and I think for Tom Herman early on, we saw what his, his strengths and weaknesses were. 
and he never and, and that's a fraud because you're human okay so right. Sark's gonna be good at some stuff and he's gonna be eh, just okay at some stuff and some stuff he just may it you know he may not be able to see the forest for the trees but if he evolves as a coach over time, I think Longhorn fans will be able to appreciate that. We never saw that with Tom Tom. Like no. one, we like never one saw thing, Tom Harmon evolve. He stayed the same guy Oh, he pretty much his entire Which tenure. where the Mensa fooled you because <laughs> he, he's a lot more Mensa, of that locker room guy. He was like, Mensa meathead the entire yeah. time. The, exactly. <laughs> the locker room and football culture. and fo- It's almost like the the love of football overweighed his like rational or even to like his analytical yeah. side at most times. Yep. Like to your point rod one thing that i'm really interested to see how sark handles it because it's just one of those things that just drives me nuts and i don't know how some coaches are great at it and the coaches that are really good at it you appreciate it i want to know how sark is with clock management that's gonna be big yeah yep rick newhouse i was reading chip brown's piece rick newhouse brought that up yeah he's like yeah sometimes though Mm -hmm. he gets a little lost in his play calling and forgets about all the different other phases of the game and yeah. game management from that standpoint. Yeah. He's like, I wonder if he'll have another coach with him now helping him out. Speaking of Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien was really bad at that because he was a control freak and liked to control play calling and all these different things, but he would often lose track of managing the game and managing the team as a head coach. Does he have – does Sark have – is that A.J. Milwee's job? Is that exactly. Kyle Flood's job? Yeah. Like is somebody on the headset right. saying – you know, hey, Sark, we're coming up on four minutes here, blah, blah, blah. We got we this got many timeouts. Time this is the situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that he doesn't know it, but just in case right. you need somebody to say, hey, this is the situation. This is a reminder, Coach. So just in case you're really lost in you're your play calling in. and the game plan At right least now. being the former quarterback, if you were to go and look at the traits, it's like that's one where I would hope if as a former yeah, quarterback you would be good. But still, as a first new coach or not a coach for the last yeah. like, six years, you don't know those things yet. I agree with that. So, like, it's just little things it's like little that. Things. that but, so this goes back to everything we talked about, Tyson, something you said a minute ago, Rod, and that's expectations for Sark in year one. And I've tried to look at just historically Texas head coaches in their first year, and typically we need to set the bar low. Mm-hmm. Right, because your first year, you're, there's a reason why there's a coaching change being made. I agree. But what's interesting is, starting with Darrell Royal, when Darrell Royal took over for Ed Price after the 56 season when Texas went 1-9, and mm-hmm. Darrell Royal comes into it in 57. Since Darrell Royal was hired, including DKR, every Texas head coach has improved the win total from the previous year except for one. Oh, wow. That's the only one who didn't was Charlie Strong. Darrell Royal takes Texas. They were one and nine and fifty six under Ed Price, and fifty seven under Darrell Royal. They go six four and one, so you're plus five in wins. Darrell Royal's last season in nineteen seventy six, they were five five and one. Mm. Fred Akers, they have an undefeated regular season going to the Cotton Bowl and lose to Notre Dame. So you're plus six in wins going from seventy six to seventy seven. Fred Akers' tenure ends after a 5-6 and six season in 86. David McWilliams is in for 87, so you go from 5-6 and six to 7-5. and five. So you're plus two in terms of wins. And we're getting into kind of some of the lean years for the program. David McWilliams is out. Two years after Shock the Nation, he, John Makovic is the head coach. McWilliams goes 5-6 and six in 91. Makovic comes in and goes 6-5 in 1992. So... You're only plus one, but you're one win better Still, than you were you better. the year before. John Makovic, as we know, they tore down the goalposts in Waco. He goes four and seven. He's out. Uh, Bucky Godbolt had the foresight to leave the staff after the 96 season, so good on Bucky for not getting fired with everybody else. Um, and they go four and seven in 97. Mac Brown's first year, they go nine and three. 
Yeah. Man, Mac had some big wins. Yeah. That year. So your player, they're, they're your plus uh, plus mm-hmm. five in wins. Having a Heisman Trophy winner help. That does help. Uh, <laughs> same with Fred Akers, a healthy Earl Campbell healthy makes, Earl uh, <laughs> makes a makes that a helps. hell of a lot of difference. Yeah, uh, but you know what, Bijan, and that's that kind of where I'm going. Bijan. So Mac Brown's out after 2013 to go eight and five. Charlie Strong takes over and they go six and seven, and then mm. we know they go five and seven under Charlie Strong in 2016. Tom Harmon comes in and they go seven and six. And like we talked about, there was some meat left on the bone that could have been better than a seven and six record for Mac for for Tom in year one. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, Maryland, of course, and Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury was on the hot seat. They were literally talking about firing him he would have before been fired that game. And we should have hired him after yes. they fired him. Somehow, <laughs> you, if you would have beat him, Tom Herman, Herman you could have screwed went, that up. went out the midfield and say, hey, you got a job here as the highest paid OC right in the now. country right now. Come on over. Don't even go back to that sideline. Just come with us. You want a big check for Christmas? <laughs> right? Even for one year, it would have been great. So anyway. that, to me, Rod, is my expectation for Steve Sarkeesian in year one. You were at seven wins last year eight. with Tom Herman. Can Sark get you to eight? That is that is my that and that is the bar for me. Most here. of the Vegas win totals you look at uh, Bet Online and I've got another one was I believe it was FanDuel. They had him at eight wins. They had Texas right at eight. Um, so the Vegas wise guys are kind of thinking exactly what you're thinking, right around eight wins. And I see that too. I mean, I see a loss to Oklahoma, a loss to Iowa State, and I see two that are unexpected. Whether it's K State now because you know they got their veteran quarterback or TCU and Max Duggan ends up playing like well, he always talk, plays against Texas. We talk about the Oklahoma uh, problem. Sark's got to figure out that TCU problem. Yeah, and uh, and for and some one reason, non con games you can't and, overlook. And the then non-con. exactly in Louisiana or Arkansas on the road. Yeah, there could easily be another couple losses thrown in there. I agree. But that that's an, that's an easy path to eight in a regular season without a bowl game. If you if you're three and zero after non conference play, we talked last week about just how tough it is. For Texas head coaches in their first year through your first three games to have a winning record, nobody's done it since Fred Akers. It's crazy. That if you can go, th- if you can be three and zero coming out of non-conference to get to eight in a regular season, all you gotta do is just have a winning record in conference. Yeah, that would be pretty easy for you. But I, I would say getting being three and zero through non-con is not gonna be no, it's no not gonna be an easy task. Over if you do that, that probably. Yeah. But I will say it's possible. It's very possible because I think they're better than Arkansas. But on the road, different monster altogether. And as you've pointed out, yeah. Arkansas believes Texas is their rival. And I, Texas don't know anything about that because we too we too young to know about that. Recipe. But they believe it. They they grow up with it. And even though they don't play Texas, it still believe that in their in their world, in their bubble, that Texas is our rival. See, this is where you can find kernels in the in the kind of the just the grand the you know the coach speak if you will mm-hmm. the stuff rod you said you don't really care about and yeah. then i'm kind of mm-hmm. it's neither here nor there for me when sark was talking about the schedule he spoke uh, in houston he spoke highly of billy napier and said louisiana's oh, a really good team he's he's like, billy napier's a, he said billy napier's a friend of his and he really respects that program and then he talked about the arkansas game he said and we all know how big that game is especially for them Mm-hmm. So Sark knows he at least publicly has already said and understands he knows that game is massively important yeah. to everybody in the state of Arkansas. Yeah, and I'm glad there's a little familiarity at least he has with the staff and their scheme because at least they played him at Bama. Yeah, when he was there. And while we're on the win totals, the way it's juiced, so the way that you, how much you got to bet to win. Yeah, it's actually. At eight with minus one thirty nine on the under, plus one ten, the underdog is going over. So like if you want to go and put a hundred bucks out there, win a hundred bucks, you gotta bet one forty 
to win 100, and that's on the under. Mm. So that's what's favored. Okay. It, to go over yeah. is 100 to win 110. So it's you. a little bit of the underdog. So that isn't very good for Texas either. Mm, I got you. So that's kind of where I am in terms of everything we talked about. What do you want from to see from Sark in year one? Kind of what should the expectations be? How's the fan base going to react? All that you tie it together. That's all I'm asking for, Rod. Yeah. Can you get from seven to eight? And, and, and it's all about how and how and who you lose to. It. I hate to say it because Tom Herman, some of those losses were upsetting for Longhorn fans. What some of them? The two Maryland losses yeah. were just. I, I think a lot of Longhorn fans they. For, they basically never forgave him for those two Maryland losses right. ever. They just yep. like we can't because that's in because because why because of the way Maryland finished. Turns out they weren't good. Mm-hmm. They wasn't even a good team. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't. They, were, they, they didn't make bad. a bowl game either. One of those years, right? Yeah. So it's all about how it looks. And he ended with that Cliff Kingsbury loss for sure. So for 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 Sark, you know, when if you lose to Louisiana, it's crazy because Iowa State got whipped by Louisiana last year and ended up coming back. But expectations in Iowa State are low. We yeah. lo- losing to Louisiana not a big deal to Iowa State. Like we're Iowa State. That's yeah. We can come back to this. But if Texas lose to Iowa State, Rome is burning. Go yep. go back and Texas, look at uh, Texas loses to Louisiana. Excuse we, we me. Talk, Rome we, is burning. We talked last week about you know historic historically what Texas coaches have done through their first three games. Go look at like go look. You talk about no, uh, not all losses are created equal. Go look at Max's first two losses. Yes, Max started one and two, but go look at who those two losses were to. Mm, they UCLA. go to UCLA, and like I said, yeah. for UCLA. for for a college age kid, I, I'm not going to be able to make you understand how good UCLA was in the mid to late '90s. I, you can't like you can't considering where they are now. Like you can't wrap your head around no. That was a team that was a national championship contender that was pumping out first round picks ahead and was, of USC. They were the USC of that time. USC was pretty irrelevant exactly. at that time. That's crazy. They just think. got off violation and all of that stuff. They had been in trouble in UCLA. Mm-hmm. Was UCLA was the they were the downs. NFL factor. They were the big dog at the Pac-10 at the time. So crazy. it's it's weird. Like Oregon, SC. No, it was it was all about UCLA at the time. And then you go on the road and lose to K State. Well, K State at the time they were a top five team in the country, and you follow the trajectory. You follow the trajectory of both those teams in '98. Like UCLA, they are one win away from playing for a national championship. Mm-hmm. They just have a game rescheduled because of a hurricane. They end up playing Miami in the Orange Bowl in like late November, early December, and Edger and James rushes for like 200 yards, and they lose a shootout to Miami. Yep. Which there was no shame in that because go look at how much NFL talent Miami had on the field at that point. And the same thing with K State. Yeah, Michael. They're Fisher. they're an overtime loss to Texas A and M away from playing for a national mm-hmm. championship. So two of your three losses, Mac Brown, in your first year were to damn good teams. Damn good teams. Yeah. Damn good teams. And the other loss was a night game in Lubbock. And I don't want to say Texas fans are cool with that, but they understand weird stuff happens stuff in happened. Lubbock, exactly. Lubbock at night. Great point. Yep. And That's why it's. Somewhat acceptable of the of different games and how it can impact you the way Maryland did or the way that one loss fatal flaw to Kansas that's the end of Charlie but you know Tom Herman narrowly wins the game against Kansas is able to survive or this weekend they were replaying Texas Kansas 2004 and I put myself in that situation if Vince Young doesn't throw that pass to Tony Jeffrey mm-hmm. to narrowly win and Texas loses to Kansas after losing 12 to nothing to Oklahoma five straight years of losing to oh, Oklahoma you lose to Kansas moments, what's the butter of fly effect does Texas fire Mac Brown and nothing ever happens with Vince point. and all hey, of that because point. like I was watching it and it was like yeah I think if we lose this game like Mac I, the vitriol after that OU game when it was 12 nothing was mm-hmm. so high it was absurd. He had to be no Oklahoma no, since and his first it year. was still yeah. 
talking about moving Vince to wide receiver against that. Missouri and K State and all of that, and yeah. you needed some big comebacks. Texas, if that if that thirteen seconds doesn't happen, if he doesn't step through that tackle for on whatever fourth and nineteen or whatever it is, and fourth get and down, 18. yeah, fourth and there you fourth go, and, like that. Literally, I think maybe would have changed Texas football forever, and who knows what happens in 05, 08, 09. Like Cole McCoy getting hurt. I uh, know. In the national title. That was yeah, one of those points in time effect. where in Texas football, so it's like changes. everything changed. It's <laughs> crazy, man. It's like if yeah, he didn't how get hurt, narrow, how different would everything have yeah, been? Yeah, if we had fired the, Tom I mean, the year before, who would have been the well, head Well, because Matt, I think, rides off into the sunset. I, I think, think the Matt decides change. first sixth national title, I'm done. I'm out of here, guys. Leaving it to Muschamp. I think the biggest change is I think Will Muschamp and Charlie Strong switch jobs. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. Will Muschamp is the head coach <laughs> of Texas, and, Char- and Urban Meyer yep. just hands the keys to Charlie Strong. Great point. Oh, man. Yeah. I, that, to me, is the biggest change in all that. It's crazy to think about, bro. Or even if, say, and Tom honestly, lost two years ago, yes, who would, Sark wouldn't have been the front runner. The, yeah. b- and both might have both flamed out at the jobs they were at, and the same thing might have happened the other way around. But I don't know, because Charlie knew that personnel. Yeah. He, he knew, knew that he knew what they he needed. Did he did. Yeah, he was kind the of the enforcer on and that staff. Yeah. And the guys knew him too, like they believed yeah. in him. Yeah, and, and I, I think it was I want to say Jeremy Fowler wrote it for ESPN, kind of a what happened to Urban Meyer at Florida piece. It was a long form piece, came out a few years ago. It's really good in depth. But basically, they said that was kind of the beginning of the end for Urban Meyer at Florida was when Charlie left and took the Louisville job because he was kind of the he was their spirit animal. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, I, I know some yeah. coaches are like that. Like they yeah. provide like a juice to the to the staff and the program. I and remember those coaches. There was a certain well, level of Coach Aquino like, was like that. Certain man. level of like go. respect and clout that he carried, mm-hmm. and guys really, yep. even that locker room full of hooligans in Gainesville, like they they respected Charlie Strong. Yep, no, I agree. With you. And I think it was the same thing at Texas with Will Muschamp. Yeah, was I remember. A, Rod, you were around. Like there I remember was a different. That. Yeah, it was, was a different a, vibe different around feeling there. in the building. It was. When Will Muschamp was around. He brought an intensity that was just contagious, yeah. man. He was a football intense guy, but loving. Like, and as long as you did your damn job, he loved you. Oh, and yeah. your damn job, he didn't like you. Go which listen. is what I want from all my coaches. He's yeah. like, listen I want back guys to do any their damn of job. the old interviews yeah. we did with Arakpo or with Lamar Houston. They like those, him. you could exuding from them many years later. Rod, yeah. in closing this week, can I can can I get you to help me tell the Brian Harson story after the Kansas game in Lawrence in 2012 when you were the sideline reporter? Because I love this story. <laughs> so this is you can fill in the gaps, but I just you I love what? the story. So Matt, you got me thinking about it. You mentioned the 04 Kansas game, and this is how we'll, we'll end the show with this. I this remember week. this one. So. The, think about the KU game in 2012 and Lawrence. Like, Case McCord nearly throws an interception. Guy drops it and he ends up throwing a touchdown pass to DJ Grant. And they end up winning the game that they had no business winning. And, like, crazy, all of us dude. in the press box, we yeah, basically we about that. We basically Mad had about, we basically had Max obituary written at that point. Yeah, Max I almost lost to Kansas then. Yeah, yeah. Then so, it's caricature, well, Max. So, Rod, so you're, you're telling me the story. You can fill in the gap. So you're you're doing sideline reporting at the time in your postgame, for, your locker room for postgame. And – the way you told it, Brian Harson just looks just destroyed. Man, he's destroyed. His, you could tell. I, could, I mean, that was one of the worst times to do sideline, man. It really was. Those coaches, some of those losses, you can tell. Like yeah. it, it really did affect them emotionally. Like they professionally. And I, and I had to sit down with these men, and I just look in their eyes, and I, they just look defeated. It's they like look you're like they're a on therapist. The verge of tears sometimes. Like you're an Oprah interview. Yeah, exactly. At the right. They're on the verge of tears sometimes. And, and rock I, bottom. I felt bad for them, man. So the way you told, and we can tell it's not because Brian Harson's not at Texas anymore and who really cares. Hey, he's at Auburn doing well. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember you telling me that like Everyone Mac, is. 
<laughs> Matt goes in like the coaches, like the it's a, the the lock, the visitors' locker room at KU is tiny, mm-hmm. so like the coaches' Everything is right offices there. and showers yep. are right there. Intimate. And Harson's like out of the shower and he's just distraught. And like Mac is talking about like, oh, it's just like 2004 and throw the touchdown pass to Tony Jeffrey. And if I remember right, like you said. <laughs> Harson Mac walks off and Harson just says something like, what the hell was he talking about? Yeah, no, because Mac, well, Mac was playing because Mac understood this is devastating. My fans are, we won, but my fans are pissed off because he knows yeah. Texas fans. Yeah. So he's just playing. Up. He's like, and it was a, it was a great moment because of the guys really stepped up, played well. They, 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 they did. They showed some fortitude. They showed a heart. They showed a lot of heart. Texas fight. Texas fight. No, he's just <laughs> pumping it up. And, and God bless Mac because Mac was really good at that. Yeah. And really trying not to make it awkward for us. And then Brian Harson walks past. Uh, Mac walks past Brian Harson. He comes up. He's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> what is he and I was about? like. I don't know, man. I was like, I, I was like, yeah. I, I was like, coach, I, I'm, I'm, I, I feel you, coach. I, don't know. <laughs> I was like, he's just happy they won. He was, but he was so sad about potentially losing mm-hmm. to Kansas and then their performance. But you could tell he's a coach with high standard, and that's a great point because Max standards, I would say, had not not fallen, but he wasn't that actually, goalpost moved. Yeah, like he wasn't in my and later and now he is. Now he had this reinvention and I think he has found yeah. that that original Mac, right? Mm-hmm. That that one that from 2000 basically to 2009 where he was the best version of himself. Before wow, I don't know, I think the standard for Mac and at least the I don't know, the ability to keep and stay at that high level I think it just broke him down, man. Here he became a prisoner of his own excellence. He thought 10 wins actually People should have been happy about that again, like uh, getting to that again. Yeah. Well, and and, he, that and, and ironically, standard. and ironically, he never got there. Yeah, like, yeah he, wanted, he wanted credit for the the, the ten wins, like yeah. the nine ten win seasons mm-hmm. in a row, at least ten wins. He wanted credit for that after two thousand ten, after he never got it again. After he got snapped. Yeah, he I wanted. Know. Yeah, and I was he wanted like retroactive credit. It's like Mac, that's not the way it works. We appreciate the ten win seasons, but. You we know keep you did winning. great, but we, we want to win did, championships. Yeah, and, and he, he thought it was unfair that people were trying to hold him to like the standard that he created. Which like, like you, this is your standard. Yeah, no, you're the one that, that raised uh, it to uh, this point. Yeah, but I could also sucks. see how him. I get it. He's get trying it. to recapture at that point it. in 2011, 12, 13. He's trying to recapture what was lost, and I think he just sort of had one of those illusions, sort of like how whenever fans try to look back and yeah. we, it's like we need another one of those. And like while Harson's at a low, nearly losing and having a performance he's that, 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 that yeah, he's exactly. ever had, Max like, oh, this reminds me of that one time we came from behind and we won the it's championship like, the mm-hmm. next year. So that's gonna happen not because he, yes, no, it's not. I just the same. love that story, like it's where you can be the, fooled the, by previous results. The yeah. imagery of like Mac trying to pump it up and. Get everyone, and just like dejected Brian Harson, like I would rather be anywhere in the world but right here, right now. Also shows you the coaches <laughs> at the time weren't on the right page. No. Getting back to what Sark, I think, will have an advantage. Max coaches yeah. were Mac. Mac basically, when he brought those young guys in, Mac was trying to diagnose what the issue was, and he never looked at himself. Yeah, because he always brought in all these new coaches. And he kept thinking, like, man, it's got to be somebody else. And I think he finally had the man in the mirror moment after he left and went, damn, it was me. 
<laughs> it was me. Well, and then I got to get it moment, back. And, and now he got it back. Because he figured out it was it was he was the problem and not necessarily. Because you brought in great coaches. Yes. Dude, what do you mean your coaches? But you didn't. It's oh, funny. You coaches now. You brought, in, you brought in great coaches, man. Yeah, two, yeah. two, of, two of them were but power he found five out head coaches. Power five head coaches now. They were scrubs. That environment then was toxic. Yeah, because at that point right there, you just yeah. proved that Harson didn't know his head coach. He didn't like, know. He, didn't he, have, he, he learned right something now, about Mac right there. There were times where Brian Harson didn't have access to Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. I'm not it was times where his, no. as an OC, he didn't have access to his head coach. Those head coaches and to, don't and Brian exist Harson, that was crazy. He's like, I came from a place where all we did was just we never had to get access because we just hung out all the time. Yeah, family. Like it was never about us getting. And Mac, well, Mac was like that. At, Mac was always like that. And he got to the point where he was so high on the mountain mm-hmm. that people didn't have access to him. Remember, I told you about them closing up the, the facilities like Fort Knox. I was like, man, it's hard to get around there like it used yeah. to. You used to be able to come around, kick it, what's up? And you, it, that stopped for a while. And I know now you have to have it because of security and all that. I get it. But it, to me, it was almost symbolic. Of oh, yeah, for sure. It had become, they had become more and more isolated. And that family environment that Mac was always championing and he was always advocating for, it really wasn't that family it environment. Because those your ivory own, towers. Your own coaches you- didn't have access to the patriarch. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, and I think now, I bet if you go over there now, it's back like 2000s, no, early 2000s. Or if you at go North over Carolina. to North Carolina now, I bet Mac is. It's like 2000s, Texas exactly. over there now in yeah. North Carolina because now he, he figured out, oh, it was me that was the issue. I actually changed. It was me. I was I, mean, I was we, the one that's changing. Mm-hmm. We, we t- you know, we talk about successful programs Success in college. Changed me. Exactly. Dabo Swinney built Clemson off of that mid 2000s Texas model. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Mac was the only head coach that opened the doors and said, "Hey, right. come look at how this is how we do things. You want to build a program, whatever you need, the the door is open. That's why those two guys are so tight." But I don't, Clemson doesn't have any issues right now. Yeah, no, no, no. I just think it's well, you know, nobody it, sell Texas's issues. But that's falling Texas off is different than Clemson season. now. That's Texas. Is, Texas is different than Clemson. But that's yeah. the point. That's and it's very that different. Is, <laughs> it, it, it all it, you get, and and that's that. I think is hopefully. Hopefully that is the the battle that Sark has to fight at some point, mm-hmm. and it's a battle Tom Herman lost. Yes, it, yes, it is. You well, can get to a play. You can get to a point at Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't care what sport you're talking about because we've seen it in, in the Big Three. You can get to a point where you taste success, and it tastes good to the point that you think, "I got it made. This is easy." Yeah. What the hell, you guys been talking about this has been a difficult job. Yeah. Tom, Tom Herman after the Sugar Bowl, we've talked about yeah, it all the for time. Tom Herman after one season. Well, and no, back, and it took it took like ten years for Mac to go. Oh, I, I did it. I hey. mean, I've been I've been to the mountaintop. I know how to get there. I figured it out. Nick Saban calls it the success flu. I, you know, right? Nick Saban's like, I don't want to get the success flu. Yeah. You do it. To your point, I remember, I won't say the recruit's name, but it was a really, really highly recruited guy that came to Texas when the downturn started. Mm-hmm. And I talked to his high school coach here, and the guy's in the NFL now. He's having a great career. And I remember talking to the guy's high school coach. We talked years, this was years after, and we were talking about that recruitment and just how wild it was. And the coach said, he goes, you know, he's like, I almost feel bad for him because he was deciding between a few different schools. He said, and we as a staff unanimously told him, we said, man, just go to Texas because you know they're always going to be good. As long as Max there, yeah. you yep. know they're going to be good. I remember people thinking, yeah, people thinking that. You're right. Well, and no, and at like, that same time, it, we yeah, couldn't even see it. I remember even getting the caller, and I'll give him credit, Dwayne would call the zone all Dwayne. the time, and he'd be like, I'm a Florida State fan. 
He learned this from Bobby it's Bowden. Cyclical. It happened at, in Florida State. Yep. It's happening right now, and we'd be like, ah, I don't know. I think you're a little crazy, Dwayne. I don't know if this is going to happen that quick. And then in like one year, everything that sort of happened at Florida State under Bowden happened with Mac. And that's where like if you see somebody like a guy like Dabo probably can learn from past histories. Wait. But even at that time, I remember that so brightly in the forefront of my mind now because of the fall off, the only thing similar to Texas's fall off in my lifetime of being a rabid college football fan was seeing the same thing happen a decade prior at Florida State and those type of programs and Bobby Bowden sort of viewed it the same way but if you just get a little bit high up on the high horse and really enjoying it and let a few things slip underneath you the big old temple can crumble down that's why Belichick wanted to be miserable the whole time because it kept him focused that's why Saban is why Saban is the way he is too I mean it is and and, because I think power power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely Same thing when you get a taste of success. I think, you know, it can get to your head. I think it did for Tom Herman. And and, and it changes you, and you got to try to fight against that. And that's Mac. I think Mac now figured it out. He reinvented himself. But I remember when Mac, the guy that I met early on that recruited me, that was a different Mac by the time I was covering the program and on the sidelines, you know, post-2010. I love He, he went from JFK <laughs> yeah. to, to Richard Nixon yeah. on me, you know what I mean? He went, from, he went from this, like, this young, like, handsome, energetic guy who was always positive and optimistic to this paranoid, paranoid you, know, you know, paranoid, old, crotchety, cantankerous man. I'm like, who is this guy? And think about, he started, Talking about coaches kicking yeah, dogs. He, he started going after like former players like Brian Jones and yeah. myself and Ahmad Brooks for stuff they would say because they were now part of the media. It just wasn't the Mac that I know. And now, last time I saw Mac, Mac gave me a hug and was like, come here. How's everything going? Hey, you got a good woman? You know what I mean? Like, it was, he was the old man. I was like, hey, you're the old man. I now recognize you. I haven't seen you in years. Yeah, that and, midlife crisis a little bit later. Yeah, and now he's, I think he was, he's gotten back to that old set. And I think it's, it's tough, man. It's hard. It's hard. That's yeah. a really stressful position. So for Sark, you know, whatever. Because you, you're right. You've told, you point out he's got some of that old school, early Mac where he's genuine. He's authentic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it's rehearsed. It doesn't seem like it is something that he, you know, is projecting. It seems like, no, no, no. Because oftentimes Tom Herman, it, you can tell that he was trying very hard yes. to say the right thing or what he thought was the right thing. Or, to, yeah, whatever whatever, whatever image he wanted us mm-hmm. to give, have of him, he was trying to give it out. Whether it was Because he knew image mattered to Mac, but it's not that same way. Yeah, but Mac was more authentic in the yes. way he crafted his image. Um, that can and fool I, you, though. Yeah, it could. But yeah. Sark, exactly. Because yes. Mac, sometimes Mac was a great politician. Yes, and that's where that. the side Tom Hartman didn't have Tom that Tom Hartman didn't have that. But for Sark, I do think there's a genuine quality about him where he just seems like he likes people and does kind of he enjoys this part of it the off the field part of it more than Tom Herman did Tom Herman did, didn't seem like he enjoyed that much and never established relationships right so at the end and never nobody nobody came to support him right. nobody said you know what man y'all wrong about Tom Herman Tom Herman has done a decent just job just like McAvick. nobody exactly nobody mm-hmm. would come to his uh, to, to come to his aid and say you know what Tom Herman put the program in a better place than it was which is a fact but nobody wanted to say that because everybody hated him and wanted him gone so badly. Yeah. Sark, I don't think it's going to be there. Uh, even wherever he is, I don't think he's going to be without any type of support or allies. He will have allies at one point because he's building relationships with yeah. people, genuine ones. Yeah, and most importantly, building those with his players. Exactly. That's, that's where yeah. it starts. And that's oh, God. To, yeah. The stories about Tom Herman in that. In, I mean, that's crazy. Some of yeah. the stories I've heard about him yeah. in Moncrief, walking past I, players. 
and not acknowledging him? What I, the hell? I know a, a guy that's, that's weird. now is a couple years older and is a pretty prominent member of this roster, but when he was a freshman, he would talk, try to talk Tom Herman just walking by him in the hallway and wouldn't acknowledge him. What is going on? That is weird, man. And but honestly, those vibes well, I got get from Major, too, because we saw it play out on the field with a guy like Ed yeah, Oliver. Like, those personalities, like, yeah, it's, you're right. I see a lot of that. And I'm not saying it, it's, it, 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 it hasn't worked before, but today, this day and age, for a guy that kisses his players on the cheeks. Weird. That's, and a guy that's, that's you know the message that is, mixed, you know? is headbutting players for the game. Like, yeah. this is. Who's 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 mocking hey, opposing thought, quarterback? We made celebrating a big deal with his team. The you were supposed things. to be a player's guy when you came in here. Now you're walking past players. Yeah, very. It went to your head really quick. That's where it, it just the, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't jibe at all. And uh, I was going to say something else about Tom Herman, but I just I know we shouldn't have went down that rabbit hole. But it's about oh well, no, that's good information. Yeah, no, it is. But it's about Sark is different. He's he's di- like you said. We, they seem, I will give them credit, the regime. This is something different. We'll end it on this note. This is why Sark is also in a better spot, not only because he's got Bijan Robinson. That's a big part of it. When Tom Herman got here, I don't believe we were united behind the scenes. No, not at all. I don't believe that was unanimity between the Longhorn family behind the scenes. You know what I'm talking about? Burnt orange curtain stuff right there, right? Out the tower, those guys, right? Well, you had the, Mike Perrin was the still the didn't have leadership. Exactly. The, exi- exactly, you had an right? interim old lineman in, in there. Yeah, presidential. You, I think we had president yeah. turnover, too. I mean, it was just at a, some point there some was. Point during that. We just had, there was a lot of stuff. So I think now Jay Hartzell, shout out. CDC, Chris Del Conte, shout out because he's done a great job. I mean, all the other sports are thriving. Texas got but. 13 Big 12 titles. Yeah, every weekend like we're winning Throwing, some uh, championship. Go ahead and add Kevin Eltai for the chairman of the Board of Regents. And Kevin Eltai, exactly. There seems to be the Holy Trinity now, like it was when Mac was DeLoss, thriving Powers. with the loss back in the day. Yeah, it seems to be now that those guys are on the same page and are like-minded and aligned. That, to me, is the true power of Texas. That is part of the BBs in the box that DKR talked about and that Mac often talked about. That's what they were talking about, the BBs in the box. Because that group, that is the power base. Mm-hmm. And when they aren't united or you got turnover and they're not on the same page, when those guys aren't hanging out smoking cigars, uh, you know, three times a week, you got problems. Because they, they, they're the ones who are the visionaries and they come up with the plan to accomplish that vision. For, for what I've heard, those guys right now, they're all on the same That's page. That's a perfect point, too, because yeah. of the uh, just the alignment. Like, you couldn't see something more different. Because Sark does seem to be similar, likewise, mind-wise, mm-hmm. to somebody like CDC. CDC, exactly. It, it makes a lot of sense now whenever you heard the Tarman talking about their, you know, being on the same page. And you could tell that those personalities could be more divergent. There you go. This is... Uh I think it's also a little bit of ego too, Rod. Yeah, of course. This. Those are powerful men. They're right. all, yeah. And yeah. I think where the ego, where the ego helps Sark, and where it's going to help Chris Beard. Whereas it, we saw it hurt Charlie Strong and it hurt Tom Herman and it hurt Shaka Smart. All three of those guys you just mentioned: Chris Del Conte, Jay Hartzell, Kevin Eltife. Sark was their hire. Mm, he's their guy. Chris Beard was their hire. Great point. Great point. I agree with you on that. That's true. That's true. Because I was talking about that was this weird thing about CDC yeah. not being Tom Herman's guy. That played out. The yeah. eyes of Texas actually revealed that. That was Mike Perrin's hire. Exactly. And, and Greg yeah. Fenvis's hire. Yeah. So yeah. So by the time Tom Herman got to the end, we talk about booster and donor support. No, no. The athletic director and the president who hired you, they're both gone. They're gone. And who got and who got thrown under the bus? Tom Herman. <laughs> CDC was like, nah, mm-hmm. well, the, basically it was revealed that they're not that close. Mm-hmm. They weren't that close. 
No. They just had a working relationship. You want them to be close. I want Sark and CDC to be hanging out like Mac and the Lost hung out. And, you know, Chris Plonsky give our props. But it was, more, it was more united behind the scenes, behind the burnt orange curtain, that power base at the tower. That's the group that's got to be on the same page. And I think now, for the first time in a long time, you have that. And think yeah. about it. Like, Jimbo Fisher leaving Florida State, right? I'll just throw that out there. I remember that. What what'd you hear? Doesn't get along with the president. Yep. And when anytime you hear coaches like, I remember going back and watching the U documentary, like Jimmy Johnson, well, why do you leave Miami? Well, because him and the president butted heads. Two yeah. most powerful men on that campus, basically. So yeah. it's it, when it's that, yes, they're not, you'd think like the Fed football coach and the president, academia should be separate from athletics, but it's really not. Those guys need to at least respect each other enough to know when to leave well enough alone at times or yeah. mm-hmm. they can have that relationship or whatever. But that is, again, I, I think that's what really is going to help Sark is those three guys we mentioned. Yep. he He's their guy. And hopefully the other sees that side, the academic side, sees the athletic side and vice versa as a strength and a plus and a, a relationship that needs to, well, like which remember, at Texas is needs sort to be of symbiotic. more so it's than like, no, 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 athletics is going to help academics. And yes. we, trust me, when I when, when athletics is actually, you know, uh, considered to be an elite ca- category for whatever sport it is, that is going to help people. It's a window to the university, as they say. Yeah. It'll help people get a different perspective of UT, and then they'll come get to know it, and then they'll see all the other great um, things that UT right. can provide. You remember... Uh, you know, early in Charlie's tenure, when he was trying to get money for various things, um, and Steve Patterson told him money this. wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> when you're At when Texas. you're when you have the chairman of the board of regents, the athletic director, yeah. and the president behind you when they support you when you're their guy, think about that's how Sark gets a big pool for assistant coaches. Great point. And they're finishing the facilities upgrades yep. and recruit budgets and all the stuff that he's gonna want and need. Right. He's gonna have no problem getting it. And thank God. But we have them united when name, image, and likeness is about to oh, come about. When it's yeah. about to be the wild, wild west for a couple of years till there's a federal kind of mandate that everybody mm-hmm. abide by the same laws about image and likeness, it's going to be the wild, wild west. That group's got to figure it out. And because yeah. Texas is going to be a big player in this thing, how can they not when they generate so much revenue? Well, and Sark being a guy that really seems to be one that wants to be involved in, seems to care about his players, mm-hmm. that's the type of one. This and is, player empowerment and all those things, it yeah. can be more important. When right we now. talk about, when you talk about the power and the reach of the Texas brand and that mm-hmm. steer logo, th- this is when you show it. This is time. Yep, you got to throw. Pardon my expression, that burnt orange unit you like to sling around. This is when you throw it around, mm-hmm. like it has never been thrown around before. It's exactly right. Yep, because even Cause the I, game has changed. The game has changed, brother. The game has changed. It is a new day in college. What name you like? People have no idea what it's about to do. It's it's unbelievable. Some of these, because legislatively, right now, state to state, every state is different. Yeah. Some states are requiring that you put aside money into a fund for players, ten thousand dollars a year, so they can collect when they graduate. Some are, uh, you know, some are saying trying to put stipulations on when you can. Uh, you know, when you can participate in name, image, and likeness activities. Hell, Georgia's got, and Georgia's bill for name, image, and likeness, Georgia, the school, can take, or sorry, Georgia, any school in Georgia, because it's a state bill, um, but they can take 75%. Which is absurd. Of all the revenue that the student athlete gets for name, image, and likeness, if they want to. And then some states <laughs> haven't even decided what they're going to do with Ooh, it. Oh, it's going to be crazy, man. It's going to be crazy. But this is, when you talk about, hey, yeah, we're Texas, and we we you know we make these revenues and whatever. All right, 
Mm-hmm. Now is when you really show what all oh, yeah. what all that matters because yep. it's hard it's hard to look at a Forbes list rod and think okay how does that play out over time and what does that mean and you got to figure out how you can use that to your advantage with NIL and then just go blow it out of the water. And while we're in a time where there's like everybody needs to get out and make money for themselves considering what we're coming out of as a society, these things need to be decided on quickly. It's the same exactly. thing with uh, gambling exactly. in states. Yeah. And like you have all these – you're going to end up hearing across the, all these different Congress bills and all these things, and it's a lot of it involving sports. There's yeah. something I can respect, boys, about – you know, we've, we've – uh, we've taken that veil of amateurism and torn it down and now college athletics we're going full-on capitalism damn right (laughs) and it's an experiment that none of us know how it's going to play out but i love it right because but thankfully we're we're giving the student athletes we're not hiding behind that veil of amateurism anymore yeah that was a lie that's brilliant it's a sham sham. and now it's like hey you know what? If you can make money and you, and if you're the if you want to be the biggest baddest dog in the yard and and you know help your your student athletes with NIL and just do it as bigger than it's ever been done, go do it. If go you ahead. really care about them, help them along with it. Yeah. And we're going to see that natural separation between and the food chain between right. the haves and the have-nots. That gap is already wider than anybody wants to admit. Dude, it's about to be a grand canyon size gap. Agreed. It's about to be done. And yeah. I don't have a problem with it. No, it's been happening for a while. And I mean, the same teams are going to the college football playoff every year because there's already a separate. They literally call it the Power Five. Yeah. And the Group of Five. They've and the thing is, is that isn't even a lead enough. It, the next thing we're going to see, it's going to be like the way the soccer teams try to have this super league. Ooh, like, that's going to happen in college that football. That would be sexy. Because, I mean, if we're talking about the but separation yeah. of the haves and haves nots, that's the next step. You can't because then you got state, the states will get into it. You got state schools, and then you got private schools. That's going I agree with you. They'll try it, but they, they'll never get it done. Mm. Mm-hmm. Never get a super league done like that. No. Yeah. You but they had toothpaste is out of the tube on, on all this stuff. So but the fact that Texas, like we said, to tie it all together, that that holy trinity as you described it, rather, mm-hmm. they're aligned and they've got their hire in the two sports that have massively underperformed in the last ten years, and they've got their two hires in yeah. both of those sports rocking and ready to go. We're we could be on the verge of another golden era in Texas athletics. Oh. I hope so. The pieces sure as hell seem aligned. Because when I first started in sports in sports entertainment, it was in 2009, and it seemed like, oh, man, this is this is going to be awesome, talking mm-hmm. winning all the time for Texas. I w- and then for the next 10 years, it's yes. <laughs> horrific. The, the, first, the first full recruiting cycle I covered wire to wire was the 2010 cycle, so it was that 09 football season. Uh, exactly. I was, I was yeah. done – by the end of April, except for like two or three guys, <laughs> yeah. it was like Jackson Jeffcoat, Jordan Hicks, like maybe like a Demarco Cobb's thrown in there, yeah. maybe a Lake Seastrunk. They were still recruiting. It was like <laughs> uh, the rest of this cycle, I'm tracked for the next nine months. I'm tracking like four guys. <laughs> and Mac Brown's like, I had 26 offers, 26 like, commits. Done deal, like, man. This is great. I basically work like two months, yeah. and that's when the bulk of your work's done. Oh man, yeah, them was the days. <laughs> Times have changed. you damn right. All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019, AM 1260, 
always streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B on that triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click the subscribe button to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a review Preferably five stars if uh, you're so kind as to do that. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.